I was uh, talking with uh, Kristen actually during service and, or between services, and I was thinking about how, you know, as we dive into James, James is so practical, and, and that's one of the things I actually really love about James. Um, but I also, you know, he's going to, he's bringing it, right? So for the next 12 weeks, he's just going to be like, whoo, going straight for our heart on some things, and, and which is really good. Some of us just love that. We're just like, whoo. Sometimes, though, <coughs> I can feel like, as a believer, I sometimes get worried that it starts to just feel like a constant self-help program. You know, you just sort of start feeling like, oh my gosh, what next? You know, it's like, oh, here's another thing I need to figure out how to do and to do better. And, and you know, and I don't know if you guys ever feel that, but sometimes I feel that way. And and it, and it, it kind of made me think about the idea of marriage. Uh, some of you guys are married, some of you aren't married. But imagine if somebody came to you and said, hey, listen, here's the deal. Uh, you need to learn how to be selfless and um, you're gonna get an opportunity to be with somebody and they're gonna start having input on how you spend your money, on what, what things you wear that they do or don't like. You're gonna let them influence that. They're gonna talk to you about the foods that you like and help you pick meals. Um, also, uh, you're not gonna be able to date anyone else from then on. You're gonna be monogamous and committed only to them. And then you're gonna also, they're gonna have something to say about your calendar from here on out and where you're gonna spend Christmas and Thanksgiving. And, uh, and you guys are gonna get to figure out what kind of television programs you wanna watch together. And uh, you're gonna have to make, like if you break something, you're gonna have to fix it. And the way that you talk to them, you're gonna need to make sure it's gonna be really encouraging and you're gonna seek to understand their heart and all this. And you just be thinking, why would I ever sign up for that? This sounds like the worst thing I've ever heard of. Like, why would I give up my freedom to give some other human that much influence? Like, that just sounds horrible. Until you find someone that loves you. And, and all of a sudden you go, you love me? And then something shifts and you love them. And then suddenly all of those things that I just listed become absolutely different and you gladly and willingly enter into this lifelong covenant where every one of those things matters to you because it's filled and motivated by love. And I, and I really believe that that's how we need to approach James is to recognize that the Father, he loves us, that he sent his son Jesus Christ to save us from the things that we were trapped by, from the freedom that we used to live in, right? Which we all figured out was actually slavery to all of these things that seemed good at first, but then they trapped us, these broken ways of doing things. And actually, he came and said, I love you, and I'm making a way for you to be completely alive, completely blessed, completely on mission, completely in with me, and I don't even expect that you would do it on your own. I'm gonna do it with you. We're doing this thing together. And that, that's what we need to look at this uh, as is, is not this idea of like behavior modification, although there is a behavior modification part of it, but it's not for the sake of that. It's, it's that we're, we're filled with the love of God and we're responding to him. And, and I wanna encourage all of us as we go into this, let's, let's just start there. Let's just start there. We talked two weeks about, you know, Second uh, Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face. And we talked about seeking his face, that, that it's okay that like you and I, honestly, aside from God, we, we have some attributes that are pretty cool, but he doesn't actually expect us to love well aside from him. That we need to have his love poured into us in order to be able to then choose him back. That, that he has to pour his love into us in order to be able to love well. 
And so let's just begin right now with that. Let's, let's take a moment. Would you just close your eyes? I just want to make some room for us. Let's respond to his love. Maybe just if you're, if you're willing, and think about this before you repeat it, but if you're willing, Father, we're so grateful that you love us. And we receive your love. And we choose to love you back. We seek your face right now. Will you fill our hearts with the reality of your love? Will you help us to love you back well? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was a pastor, and it, he was, it was a Monday, and on Mondays for, for where he is, he... Uh, He'd go and visit his different people in his, in his particular church. It's a smaller church. And so he's out making the rounds and, and, uh, and meeting with different people. Well, he, he got out a little late, missed breakfast, um, and, uh, and then ended up with connecting with everyone. It was going wonderfully, praying, visiting with different others. It's about 1.30 that he finally got to one of the ladies that he was going to, to go and visit, Gladys, one of the widows in the church. Really sweet lady. But he hadn't had lunch, and his stomach's starting to rumble a little bit, you know. And as he sits down with Gladys, she's, she's been widowed about 10 years, but such a faithful wonderful woman in the church. So he's actually really looking forward to it. Gladys being one of those saints that you can't come away not having been encouraged. And uh, so he sits down, but man, his stomach is just, you know, talking. And as he's sitting there, there's a little table. Gladys is here. He's here sitting in the front room and little table with a bowl on it and some peanuts. And he's looking at those peanuts, you know, as he's talking with Gladys. And finally he says, Gladys, do you mind? I haven't eaten today. And uh, you've got these peanuts here. Do you mind if I have a few of those? And she said, well, I, I suppose if, if, you, if you want to. And he says, oh, I, I really would. She goes, well, then go go ahead. And so he starts to eat the peanuts and man, he's eating those peanuts and engaging with, with Gladys and visiting and she's sharing the faithfulness of the Lord and how she's been doing. And, and he's just having a wonderful time. And as he's talking and encouraging her, all of a sudden his hand hits the bottom of that bowl and he realizes he ate all the peanuts, this big old bowl of peanuts. And he says, Gladys, I am so embarrassed. I'm going to have to ask you, forgive me. I just ate all of those peanuts. And I, I am so sorry. And she goes, oh, honey, don't even worry about it. She said, you know, the truth is, about three years back, I finally, you know, lost the last of my teeth. I can't even eat peanuts anyway. So I just sucked the chocolate off of them. <laughs> See, this pastor made a decision based on the appearance of things. He looked at those peanuts, and he thought he was seeing something one way, and it turns out it was another way. And this is what we're going to talk about today. James is going to challenge us in the area of partiality. Another word for partiality is favoritism. It's looking at something on the exterior. It's looking at something in the way that it's being presented and make it, made it, making a judgment about it. Favoritism translates a Greek word that means literally receiving the face. It comes from uh, proso, prosolempsia. 
And it's first used in the New Testament as a literal rendering of the Old Testament Hebrew language for partiality. To receive the face is to make a judgment and distinction based on external considerations such as physical appearance, social status, or race. And this is something God never does. As the Old Testament repeatedly affirms, God's people are to imitate him in this respect. See, love looks deeper. Love sees all people the same way without qualification. When I look around this room, you know what I can see and what you're invited to see? That everyone in this room, we look around and we go, wow, one thing I know about all of us is that we were all sinners and we have been saved by grace. I can look around this room and say, I've been saved by grace, you've been saved by grace, and we've been adopted into a kingdom. And now I can look around this room and I can know another thing about you, that you are no longer just a sinner saved by grace. You are now a saint. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High God made in his image, and God himself is forming Christ in you through the work of the Holy Spirit until we together come into the maturity of Jesus Christ. That I know about you. That you can know about everyone in this room. And that is how God sees you. And that's what James is talking about. Let's look at the scripture here. He says, my brothers, and by the way, when he says brothers, that means everybody, okay? My people, my family, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and a fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing saying, hey, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, why don't you stand over there or sit down at my feet? Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable God, the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbors as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Praise God. You see, we're called to love by treating everyone with the same interest and value. The same interest in you. You're a son of the Most High God. You're a daughter of the Most High God. The same interest or value, no matter what, whether you're rich or poor, no matter about your race or your class, James is referencing a couple of scriptures in the Old Testament. I want to read those to you. 
speaking of the character and the command of God in regard to this. You see, the idea of human rights, the idea of equality, of equal value, the idea of doing away with all of the isms, be it, be it, be it sexism, be it racism, any ism that there is, this in Christ has always been absolutely condemned and God himself has always been against it. Human rights don't come from humans, they come from God. In fact, the reality is that God has been so transformational in bringing the end of all of these separations that even the world has accepted as self-evident the idea of human rights and human value. The truth is if you dig into history and if you dig into the philosophy of a humanist, material-only, evolutionary mindset, there is no premise for human rights. There is no ethic for human rights outside of the fact that we're made in God's image. And when you, when you confront and deal with that issue, the leading thinking minds of a, of a, of a godless world, of a, of a philosophy that is based without God, they know that it is indefensible and will admit that there is no defense of having human rights, although they say, but everyone knows that we should. And they're right in saying that. But what I'm telling you is that our human rights extend from being made in God's image. And without God, we cannot defend that. Why do I bring this up? Because it's great news, guys. It's great news that even those that don't believe in God are teaching the kingdom values through human flourishing. That's a good word, right? Praise God. But here is God in his own words speaking about how we are called to walk this out. And he says this. In Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 18, he says, The Lord your God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. In Leviticus 19.15, he says, Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Did you catch that? He's saying, listen, don't, don't you show partiality just because someone's poor, that they must be needing more justice than someone who's rich, but don't you show more favor to the rich and, and, and give them and be partial towards that against the poor. You have to judge everyone according to what's actually fair. You don't know anything about either of those people simply by knowing that they're rich or that they're poor. Show fairness. Bring absolute fairness to each of these things. You must judge fairly. You guys hear that? Favoritism based on external considerations is inconsistent with faith in the one who came to break down the barriers of nationality, race, class, gender, and religion. As Paul says in Colossians 3.11, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. In Christ, we are made one. We are the people of God. Somebody say amen. You see, God has been bringing the good news of the gospel that in Christ, everything else is secondary and moved away. 
because we are made in God's image, male and female. We are made in God's image, and he loves the way that he made us. He likes how we look. He likes the diversity that he's put within his own body, but he doesn't separate his own body. He says, in Christ, you are one. Amen? So we are not to allow any of these distinctives that the world separates us by, that sin separates us by, that pride separates us by. We're not allowed to cause any of those to cause us to be partial. In Christ, in the body of Christ, we are leading the charge that Jesus brought to reconcile all of us in him as one. Amen? So he says this. I want to read the second part of the verse, he says, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. So let's just start there, by the way, you guys. You're doing well. You're doing well. You are a people who are known for loving well. You are. Even people that get mad and leave Christ Center say this, I've never been a part of a more loving group of people, <laughs> which is a good compliment when somebody's mad at you. Praise God. And those that come in are still here have said, you know, it's amazing to me what a group of authentic, loving people that you are. This is a family that loves. So I'm not coming here and just bringing the heat. James is upset with you. No, we are doing well. If we fulfill the scripture to love our neighbor as ourselves, the royal law, we do well. And I would say we are doing well. However, Let's let the face of God, let's look into the face of God, let's let the love of God come, and let's let the love of God also confront and convict us in the places where we can love more well, where we can set aside maybe some of that partiality, some of those things that are actually not helping us to love well. He continues, if you show partiality, you're committing a sin and you're convicted by the law as transgressors. Now, here's what's interesting. He's saying, when we let these things happen, when we show partiality, then we end up getting, we get end up coming out of the law of love and then being judged by the Old Testament law. So we have a choice. Either love God with all of our heart, strength, and mind and love our neighbor as ourself through the grace of Jesus Christ or be judged by every single thing that the law has to say because we're saying, well, I don't actually need to do that. In fact, I'm going to judge other people by this means, and the minute that we start judging other people, we ourselves come under the judgment of every single part of the law. Are you seeing that? And he unpacks it. Let me just say it. I'll let him say it. He says it better. If you show partiality, you're committing sin and convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you don't commit adultery but you do murder, you become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What's the point here? He's actually saying that the way that love is demonstrated, the way that we love each other is that we extend mercy just like our Father extended mercy to us. One of the ways that, one of the ways that uh, 
that we do that. Well, let me say it like this. So he describes the royal law of love as being practiced by showing mercy. So I'm practicing showing mercy. That kind of gives it a picture, doesn't it? I'm practicing showing mercy to someone. And how many of you guys know that when we show mercy, it's usually to someone that we probably feel like they don't deserve it. Like if you deserve something nice, it's not mercy to give you something nice. It's when you don't deserve something nice and I extend mercy, amen? It's when something didn't go well that you extend mercy. So if I'm practicing mercy, could it be, could it be that we're more likely to look at people we admire and want to extend mercy, but we're quick to judge those we don't admire? When we do this, we end up bringing judgment on ourselves. If we keep the law of love, we're free. But if we start having partiality, we're convicted by the law. So how do we practice this? That's the question. How do we practice this? And I would dare say probably here, guys, I don't think most of us at Christ Center are like looking around and being like, you look like you make a decent amount of money. Why don't you come over and hang out with me? I don't really think that's probably most of our problem. I, I don't. I mean, maybe a couple of us might be like that. We're just like, I like hanging out with rich people. You know, they buy lunch. I don't know. I don't think that's probably the key thing. So, 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 but the point here is partiality. It's showing favor to one group and being less likely to hang out with a different group. That, that brings it a little closer. So let me unpack it a little bit, and then I want us to go vertical together and do some business directly with the Lord. The first thing I would say, and I talked a little bit about it, is that extending mercy is extending the benefit of the doubt. It's that when we, when something goes a little weird, you ever had a conversation with somebody and you say something and they say something and then you say something and then they say something and you're kind of like, what was that? And, and, and in that moment, you're going to either extend the benefit of the doubt of like, you know what? They probably didn't mean that. They, they probably, that sounded weird, but I, I highly doubt uh, that Mark was making a comment about my weight. Yeah, I doubt that. I doubt that because I know Mark. I love him. And if he was going to do that, he'd do it loud and proud. And then he would laugh at me because he loves me. So, so I'm going to extend the benefit of the doubt. But then I might like, I don't know, with a lair, I'd be like, she probably is saying something about my weight. No, Alaire, you and I are good. Extend the benefit of the doubt. I knew we're safe. That's why I did this. If we need to pray afterwards, let's do that. There's a, do you understand what I'm saying? So is there somebody that I'm more likely to extend the benefit of the doubt? And then there's another, is there somebody else where I go, you know, I, I, I'm, question, I'm always, if I'm honest with myself, I'm quick to question their motives. And if that's the case, that's partiality. Maybe favoritism on one side, partiality on the other. Another example would be if I, were to, if I were to say, Lord, where am I, instead of, instead of extending, what is it, the, uh, it, instead of fulfilling the royal law of scripture, the royal law of love, I'm having partiality, maybe an indicator for me might, that might be this, who do I tend to avoid? Who do I tend to avoid? You, know, you see them at Safeway, you're just like, okay. Right? <laughs> Not today. Who do I tend to avoid?
Here's a couple more. And, and then we're going to go through, we'll go vertical with this, but here's a couple more. Am I more likely... Okay, how many of you guys in here honestly are pretty comfortable with healthy confrontation? Serious, raise your hand. Like, healthy confrontation. Alaire was the first one to raise it, and I love her for it. I've had great conversations with you. I love it. I love that about you. But seriously, put your hand up. Healthy confrontation. Yes, come on. Okay, so I want to ask this question. Am I more likely to have healthy confrontation with someone that I consider weaker or stronger than me? Will I have healthy confrontation with the person that I consider, like, oh, you're, you know, maybe it's, maybe I only do it when I consider them an equal. I'm like scanning, like, yeah, you're probably fine. You and I can have some healthy confrontation. No, no, <laughs> you wouldn't understand. <laughs> oh, you know what? The Lord will talk to you. I'm going to avoid that. I, I want those guys to respect me. Do you see what I'm saying? Am I more likely to avoid something? Because at that point, what I'm actually doing is I'm actually saying, if there's something about you, let me ask it like this. Let me do a couple more. Am I more likely to extend healthy confrontation if somebody is poor or rich? Some people like to take it to the rich. You know what? Bible says a lot of stuff about you. But then they're going to pull punches when it comes to the poor. Like, no, oh, they're there. And they both need Jesus, don't they? They both need the truth. They both need love. Let me ask you another one. Am I more likely to extend healthy confrontation? I'm making it all about confrontation, but I'm trying to say it's, it costs me something, Right? I'll use a couple other in a minute, but am I, am I more likely to extend it to someone that I consider simple versus intelligent and influential? This is a question. Let's go another direction. Am I more likely to encourage somebody if they're poor as opposed to encourage them if they're rich? Am I more likely to encourage somebody if I feel like they're my peer or if I feel like they're actually a little maybe up here? Am I more likely to encourage somebody if I feel, let's be honest, maybe I feel a little superior to them? Like, oh, I've been where you've been. And I'll encourage that person. But this other person, I'd be like, good to see you. How about this one? Let me ask this one. Am I more likely to ask for help from someone who is my own race or someone who's not? I mean, that's a big question right now. And, and as we're as a nation walking through some things here, it's, that, that might even be a little scarier this year than it was the year before. Maybe last year you would have been more likely to ask for help from someone of a different race, and this year you don't know what the rules are anymore. In Christ, in Christ, we treat everybody exactly the same. Love looks deeper. Does that make sense? Love assumes about you. In Christ, we are made in the image of God. I'm going to encourage you the same. I'm going to challenge you the same. I'm going to ask for help the same. No matter what your race, gender, class, influence, intelligence, any of that is. 
I am going to treat you exactly the same, both in healthy confrontation and vulnerability. I think this is probably closer to home for us in this area. So as James is bringing this to our attention, maybe this brings a finer point to it for us to recognize that and to recognize that, that in Christ, we're actually called to go against the grain of what the world does, which is like, hey, you and I can hang out. We, we sound a lot alike. We look a lot alike. We, we happen to be the same gender, class, race, and age. So like, we all, we like to watch Psych together. The young people are like, I didn't get it. I know. That's why I didn't ask you for help. I'm just kidding. I'm repentant. That was, that was bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, what is Psych? Okay. So let's do this. Let's do this. I want to ask you one more question, and then let's, 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 let's do some business with the Lord here. How about this? Let's talk about, let's talk about uh, persons and groups. What's a person or a group right now that I have less hope for? It might be less hope for salvation if they're not in, the, in Christ yet. It might be less hope for us to be able to actually talk about anything and everything. It might be less hope that they would mature in Christ. Who's the person or the group that I actually have less hope when I think about them? Like this probably isn't gonna go well because that's partiality. In Christ, we need to be able to have the same level of hope for each person because it's in Christ. Our hope's in Christ. He's the one working. And we can extend mercy through extending the benefit of the doubt that Christ in you and Christ in me, Christ in you and Christ in me, that we have way more in common in Christ than anything else because we're one in him. So nothing, nothing will get in the way of that. And I won't allow the commonality of the world's partiality, that's the world system, to separate us. So what I want to do at this time, can you guys receive that? So the Spirit of God is here. The Father loves us. He's here. Jesus is being formed in us. Let's go vertical here. And, and I'm just going gonna, gonna, gonna to lead a prayer, and you make it your own. And we'll just take some space so we can do business with the Lord here. So let's just begin with this. Father, would you lead us right now? Lord, who are those that we need to begin to start extending mercy to? Extending the benefit of the doubt where we've become partial and judgmental of their motives.
And you guys just feel free as the Lord brings them up. You might, you might write their name down and just know that there's going to be some further actions from the Lord. So just, Father, would you bring to mind those, Lord, that I am more likely to avoid Father, would you bring to mind, show me those, Lord, that I have, I have less hope for. Lord, it's hard for me to even imagine that they're going to do the right thing. Lord, is there anyone that I need to forgive so that I can get back to loving them? Lord, who do I need to extend mercy to just like you always extend mercy to me? You never end the relationship with me, Lord. Who Am I holding away from relationship and punishing them with distance? And you're saying it's time to extend mercy and extend the benefit of the doubt. Lord, show me where I need to repent so I can get back to fulfilling the law of love and liberty. If you guys are willing to do this, if you just repeat after me, Father, I invite you to continue this work for the rest of this week and always. Father, I invite you to continue this work 
throughout the week and always. Amen. As you're journaling this week, there's some rephrasing of some of those questions. And so let the Spirit of God continue to go deep. And remember that he is giving us the grace to do this. It's the power of God. It's Christ in us, raising us from the dead and forgiving others through us and giving us the ability to love like this. So when you run into those barriers that you have, turn back to the Father and say, Lord, I'm willing to be willing to love better than I am right now. I'm not capable of it without you, but I'm willing to be willing, and I'm going to act upon that, and I'm starting by asking you to put it in me. Amen? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. Let's go love really, really well. Love you guys.